0: Reflections of a Lord Mayor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jason Mills. Charles Dickens' Two Hundredth Anniversary Collection, Volume Five. Reflections of a Lord Mayor. By Charles Dickens. I have been told, said the Lord Mayor of London left alone in his dressing-room after a state occasion, and proceeding to divest himself of the very large chain the Lord Mayor of London wears about his neck, according to the manner of the President of the Royal Academy of Arts, and the watermen of the principal Hackney coach stands, I say, I have been told, repeated the Lord Mayor, glancing at himself in the glass, rather frequently now, in contemporary history, that I am a umbug. No matter what particular Lord Mayor of London thus delivered himself, any modern Lord Mayor of London may have recalled with the fidelity here quoted the homage widely offered to his position. "'I have been told so,' continued the Lord Mayor of London, who was in the habit of practising oratory when alone, as Demosthenes did, and with the somewhat similar object of correcting a curious impediment in his speech, which always thrust the letter H upon him when he had no business with it, and always took it away from him when it was indispensable, i have been told so pursued the lord mayor on the ground that the privileges dues levies and other exactions of my government are relics of ages in all respects unlike the present when the manners and customs of the people were different when commerce was differently understood and practised when the necessities and requirements of this enormous metropolis were as unlike what they are now as this enormous metropolis itself on the map of queen victoria's time is unlike the scarcely recognisable little mustard seed displayed as london on the map of queen elizabeth's time i have been told so on the ground that whereas my office was a respectable reality when the little city in which i hold my state was actually london and its citizens were the london people it is a swaggering sham when that little city's inhabitants are not a twelfth part of the metropolitan population and when that little city's extent is not a tenth part of the metropolitan surface these i am informed are a short summary of the reasons why the london citizens who stand foremost as to the magnitude of their mercantile dealings and the grasp of their intelligence always fly from the assumption of my blushing honours and why formerly constituted commissions have admitted not without some reluctance that i am officially said the lord mayor twice officially a most absurd creature and in point of fact the umbug already mentioned the lord mayor of london having thus summed up polished his gold chain with his sleeve laid it down on the dressing-table put on a flannel gown took a chair before the glass, and proceeded to address himself in the following neat and appropriate terms. "'Now, my lord,' said the Lord Mayor of London, and at the word he bowed and smiled obsequiously, "'You are well aware that there is no foundation whatever for these envious disparagements. There are the shadows of the light of greatness.' The Lord Mayor stopped and made a note of this sentiment, as available after dinner some day on what evidence will you receive your true position on the city recorders on the city remembrances on the city chamberlains on the court of common councils on the sword-bearers on the toastmasters. these are good witnesses i believe and they will bear testimony at any time to your being a solid dignitary to your office being one of the highest aspirations of man one of the brightest crowns of merit One of the noblest objects of earthly ambition. But, my Lord Mayor, here the Lord Mayor smiled at himself and bowed again, is it from the city only that you get these tributes to the virtues of your office and the empty wickedness of the commission that would dethrone you? I think not. I think you may inquire east, west, north, and south, particularly west, said the Lord Mayor, who was a courtly personage, particularly west among my friends of the aristocracy and still find that the lord mayor of london is the brightest jewel next to mercy in the british crown and the apple of the united kingdom's high who said the lord mayor crossing his knees and arguing the point with the aid of his forefinger at himself in the glass who is to be believed is it the superior classes my very excellent and dear friends that are to be believed "'or is it commissions, and writers in newspapers?' "'The reply, of course, is the superior classes.' "'Why, then,' said the Lord Mayor, "'let us consider what my beloved and honoured friends, "'the members of the superior classes, say.' "'We will begin,' said the Lord Mayor, "'with my highly eminent and respected friends, "'my revered brothers, if they will allow me to call them so, "'the cabinet ministers.' what does a cabinet minister say when he comes to dine with me he gets up and tells the company that all the honours of official life are nothing comparable to the honour of coming and dining with the lord mayor he gives them to understand that in all his doubts his mind instinctively reverts to the lord mayor for counsel that in all his many triumphs he looks to the lord mayor for his culminating moral support that in hall is few defeats, he looks to the Lord Mayor for lasting consolation. He signifies that, if the Lord Mayor only approves of his political career, he is happy. That if the Lord Mayor disapproves, he is miserable. His respect for the office is perpetually augmenting. He has had the honour of enjoying the munificent hospitality of other Lord Mayors. "'but he never knew such a Lord Mayor as this Lord Mayor, "'or such a Lord Mayor's dinner as this dinner, "'with much more to the same effect. "'And I believe,' said the Lord Mayor of London, smiling obsequiously, "'that my noble and right honourable friends, the Cabinet Ministers, "'never make a fool of any one." "'Take,' said the Lord Mayor of London, "'next, my highly decorated friends, the representatives of foreign courts.' they assure the guests in the politest manner that when they inform their respective governments that they have had the honour of dining with the lord mayor their respective governments will hardly know what to make of themselves they will feel so exalted by the distinction and i hope said the lord mayor smiling obsequiously that their excellencies my diplomatic friends usually say what they mean what sentiments do the army and navy express when they come and dine at the Guildhall or Mansion House? They don't exactly tell the company that how brave soldiers and how ardy seamen rush to conquest, stimulating one another with the great national watchword, the Lord Mayor. But they almost go that length. They hintimate that the courage of our national defenders would be dreadfully damped if there was no Lord Mayor that Nelson and Wellington always had the Lord Mayor in their minds, has no doubt they had, in conducting their most brilliant exploits, and that they always looked forward to the Lord Mayor, has no doubt they did, for their highest rewards. And I think, said the Lord Mayor, smiling obsequiously, that my honourable and gallant friends, the field-marshals and admirals of this glorious country, are not the men to bandy compliments my eminently revered friends, the archbishops and bishops. They are not idle talkers, said the Lord Mayor. Yet when they do me the honour to take no thought, as I may say, what they shall heat, or what they shall drink, but with the greatest urbanity to heat and drink, I am proud to think up to the full amount of three pounds three per ed, they are not behind and with the rest. They perceive in the Lord Mayor a pillar of the great fabric of church and state they know that the lord mayor is necessary to true religion they are in her general way fully impressed with the conviction that the lord mayor is an institution not to be touched without danger to orthodox piety yet if i am not deceived said the lord mayor smiling obsequiously my pastoral and personal friends the archbishops and bishops Hard to be believed upon their affirmation my elevated and learned friends the judges cried the lord mayor in a tone of enthusiasm when i ask the judges to dinner they are not found to encourage the recommendations of corrupt commissions on the contrary i infer from their speeches that they are at a loss to understand how law or equity could ever be administered in this country if the lord mayor was reduced i understand from them that it is somehow the lord mayor who keeps the very judges themselves straight that if there was no lord mayor they would begin to go crooked that if they didn't dine with the lord mayor at least once a year they couldn't answer for their not taking bribes or doing something of that sort and it is a general opinion i imagine said the lord mayor smiling obsequiously that my judicial friends the judges know how to sum up a case likewise my honourable and legislative friends the members of the House of commons and my noble and deliberative friends the members of the House of lords and my learned and forensic friends of the liberal profession of the bar cried the lord mayor they are all convinced when they could come to dinner that without the lord mayor the whole lord mayor and nothing but the lord mayor there would ensue what I may call a national smash. They are all agreed that society is a kind of barrel formed of a number of staves, with her very few oops to keep them together, and that the Lord Mayor of London is such a strong oop that if he was taken off, the staves would fly asunder, and the barrel would burst. This is very gratifying this is very important, this is very dignifying, this is very true. I am proud of this profound conviction, for I believe, said the Lord Mayor, smiling obsequiously, that this distinguished agglomeration of my eloquent and flowery friends is capable of making speeches. Then you see, my Lord, pursued the Lord Mayor, resuming the argument with his looking-glass, after a short pause of pride in his illustrious circle of acquaintance, which caused him to swell considerably. "'It comes to this. Do these various distinguished personages come into the city annually, as her matter, of course, to make certain routine speeches over you, without in the least caring or considering what they mean, just as the boys do in the same month over Guy Fawkes? Or do they come really and truly to hold you?' In the former case you would be placed in the unpleasant predicament of knowing for certain that they laugh at you when they go home. In the latter case you would have the happiness of being sure that the commission which declares you to be the in point of fact, said the Lord Mayor, with a lingering natural reluctance, the umbug already mentioned is a piece of impotent falsehood and malice. Which you know it to be, said the Lord Mayor, rising firmly which you know it to be, your honoured and revered friends of the upper classes rally round you. The Lord Mayor made a note of the neat expression, rallying round, as available for various public occasions. Hand you see them, hand you ear them, and seeing and earing, are believing, or nothing is. Further, you are bound as their devoted servant to believe them, or you fall into the admission that public functionaries I've got into a way of pumping out floods of conventional words without any meaning and without any sincerity, a way not likely to be reserved for lord mayors only, and a very bad way for the whole community. So the lord mayor of London went to bed, and dreamed of being made a baronet. End of reflections of a lord mayor, recording by Jesse Mills